Epistle 53 of Epistles of Cyprian by Cyprian, translated by Robert Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Epistle 53 to Cornelius concerning granting peace to the lapsed. Argument. As the African bishops had previously decided in a certain council that the lapsed, except after long penitence, should not be received to peace, unless perchance peril of sickness was urgent, now on the appearance of a new persecution, they decided that peace was to be granted to all those who had repented, so that they might be more courageous for the contest of suffering. Cyprian announces this decree of the bishops in the name of the whole synod to Father Cornelius, and therefore this letter is not so much the letter of Cyprian himself as that of the entire African synod. Cyprian, Liberalis, Caldonius, Nicomedes, Caecilius, Junius, Martius, Felix, Sucesus, Faustinus, Fortunatus, Victor, Saturninus, another Saturninus, Rogatianus, Tertullus, Lucianus, Eutychus, Amplus, Sadius, Secondinus, another Saturninus, Aurelius, Priscus, Herculanus, Victoricus, Quintus, Honoratus, Montanus, Hortensianus, Varianus, Iambus, Donatus, Pompeius, Polycarpus, Demetrius, another Donatus, Privatianus, another Fortunatus, Rogatus, and Monulus, to Cornelius, their brother. Greeting. We had indeed decided some time ago, dearest brother, having mutually taken counsel one with another, that they who, in the fierceness of persecution, had been overthrown by the adversary, and had lapsed, and had polluted themselves with unlawful sacrifices, should undergo a long and full repentance, and if the risk of sickness should be urgent, should receive peace on the very point of death. For it was not right, neither did the love of the Father nor divine mercy allow, that the church should be closed to those that knock, or the help of the hope of salvation be denied to those who mourn and entreat, so that when they pass from this world, they should be dismissed to their Lord without communion and peace, since he himself who gave the law that things which were bound on earth should also be bound in heaven, allowed moreover that things might be loosed there which were here first loosed in the church. But now, when we see that the day of another trouble is again beginning to draw near, and are admonished by frequent and repeated intimations that we should be prepared and armed for the struggle which the enemy announces to us, that we should also prepare the people committed to us by divine condensation, by our exhortations, and gather together from all parts all the soldiers of Christ, who desire arms and are anxious for the battle within the Lord's camp, under the compulsion of this necessity, we have decided that peace is to be given to those who have not withdrawn from the church of the Lord, but have not ceased from the first day of their lapse to repent, and to lament, and to beseech the Lord, and have decided that they ought to be armed and equipped for the battle which is at hand. For we must comply with fitting intimations and admonitions that the sheep may not be deserted in danger by the shepherds, but that the whole flock may be gathered together into one place, and the Lord's army may be armed for the contest of the heavenly warfare. For the repentance of the mourners was reasonably prolonged for a more protracted time, help only being afforded to the sick in their departure, so long as peace and tranquility prevailed, 
which permitted the long postponement of the tears of the mourners and late assistance in sickness to the dying. But now indeed peace is necessary, not for the sick, but for the strong, nor is communion to be granted by us to the dying, but to the living, that we may not leave those whom we stir up and exhort to the battle unarmed and naked, but may fortify them with the protection of Christ's body and blood, and, as the Eucharist is appointed for this very purpose, that it may be a safeguard to the receivers, that we may arm those whom we wish to be safe against the adversary with the protection of the Lord's abundance. For how do we teach or provoke them to shed their blood in confession of his name if we deny to those who are about to enter on the warfare the blood of Christ? Or how do we make them fit for the cup of martyrdom if we do not first admit them to drink in the church the cup of the Lord by the right communion? We should make a difference, dearest brother, between those who either have apostatized and having returned to the world which they have renounced are living heathenish lives or, having become deserters to the heretics, are daily taking up parasitical arms against the church, and those who do not depart from the church's threshold, and constantly and sorrowfully imploring divine and paternal consolation, profess that they are now prepared for the battle, and ready to stand and fight bravely for the name of their Lord and for their own salvation. In these times we grant peace, not to those who sleep, but to those who watch, we grant peace not amid indulgences, but amid arms. We grant peace not for rest, but for the field of battle. If, according to what we hear and desire and believe of them, they shall stand bravely and shall overthrow the adversary with us in the encounter, we shall not repent of having granted peace to men so brave. Yea, it is the great honor and glory of our episcopate to have granted peace to martyrs, so that we, as priests, who daily celebrate the sacrifices of God, may prepare offerings and victims for God. But if, which may the Lord avert from our brethren, any one of the lapsed should deceive, seeking peace by guile, and at the time of the impending struggle receive peace without any purpose of doing battle, he betrays and deceives himself, hiding one thing in his heart and pronouncing another with his voice. We, so far as it is allowed to us to see and to judge, look upon the face of each one. We are not able to scrutinize the heart and to inspect the mind. Concerning these, the discerner and searcher of hidden things judges, and he will quickly come and judge of the secrets and hidden things of the heart. But the evil ought not to stand in the way of the good, but rather the evil ought to be assisted by the good. Neither is peace, therefore, to be denied to those who are about to endure martyrdom, because there are some who will refuse it, since for this purpose peace should be granted to all who are about to enter upon the warfare, that through our ignorance he may not be the first one to be passed over, who in the struggle is to be crowned. Nor let anyone say, quote, that he who accepts martyrdom is baptized in his own blood, and peace is not necessary to him from the bishop, since he is about to have the peace of his own glory, and about to receive a greater reward from the condensation of the Lord." End quote. First of all, he cannot be fitted for martyrdom who is not armed for the contest by the church, and his spirit is deficient, which the Eucharist received does not raise and stimulate. For the Lord says in his gospel, quote, but when they deliver you up, take no thought what ye shall speak, for it shall be given to you in that hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. End quote. 
Now, since he says that the Spirit of the Father speaks in those who are delivered up and set in the confession of his name, how can he be found prepared or fit for that confession who has not first, in the reception of peace, received the Spirit of the Father, who, giving strength to his servants, himself speaks and confesses in us? Then, besides, if, having forsaken everything that he has, a man shall flee, and dwelling in hiding places and in solitude, shall fall by chance among thieves, or shall die in fever and in weakness, will it not be charged upon us that so good a soldier, who has forsaken all that he hath, and contemning his house, and his parents, and his children, has preferred to follow his Lord, dies without peace and without communion? Will not either an act of negligence or cruel hardness be ascribed to us in the day of judgment, that, pastors though we are, we have neither been willing to take care of the sheep trusted and committed to us in peace, nor to arm them in battle? Would not the charge be brought against us by the Lord, which by his prophet he utters and says, quote, Behold, ye consume the milk, and ye clothe you with the wool, and ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not my flock. The weak have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye comforted that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which strayed, neither have ye sought that which was lost, and that which was strong ye wore out with labor. And my sheep were scattered, because there were no shepherds, and they became meat to all the beasts of the field, and there was none who sought after them, nor brought them back. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep of their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding my sheep. Neither shall they feed them any more, and I will deliver my sheep from their mouth, and I will feed them with judgment. End quote. Lest then the sheep committed to us by the Lord be demanded back from our mouth, wherewith we deny peace, wherewith we oppose to them rather the severity of human cruelty than the benignity of divine and paternal love, we have determined by the suggestion of the Holy Spirit and the admonition of the Lord, conveyed by many and manifest visions, because the enemy is foretold and shown to be at hand, to gather within the camp the soldiers of Christ, to examine the cases of each one, and to grant peace to the lapsed, yea, rather to furnish arms to those who are about to fight. And this, we trust, will please you in contemplation of the paternal mercy. But if there be any of our colleagues who, now that the contest is urgent, thinks that peace should not be granted to our brethren and sisters, he shall give an account to the Lord in the day of judgment, either of his grievous rigor or of his inhuman hardness. We, as befitted our faith and charity and solicitude, have laid before you what was in our own mind, namely, that the day of contest has approached, that a violent enemy will soon rise up against us, that a struggle is coming on, not such as it has been, but much more serious and fierce. This is frequently shown to us from above. Concerning this we are often admonished by the providence and mercy of the Lord, of whose help and love we who trust in him may be secure, because he who in peace foretells to his soldiers that the battle will come will give to them, when they are warring, victory in the encounter. We bid you, dearest brother, ever heartily farewell. End of Epistle 53 Read by David Ronald